0: foothold that the world is, is not just um, tempting us or we're dabbling in it, but that it resides inside of us. It's picked up residence there. And we've, according to Nehemiah, uh, the Bible says that the high priest of the temple made preparation uh, for Tobiah to live there and how often even in our own lives, we don't realize it, but we make preparation for the world to come in and so how do we know when, when we get to that point where we need to do some things? We need to clean house, so to speak. And so I want to share a couple of thoughts from, from God's Word that maybe will help us in this, <coughs> um, maybe help us to get to this point and what we should do to deal with it. We'll begin reading in, uh, in Haggai 1 and verse number 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month and the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. So we know by the statements of the first verse that, the, that Haggai is a contemporary of uh, some of these folks, Nehemiah and Ezra and some of those, those people. Haggai takes place about 10 years, maybe 12 years, somewhere in that range, after Nehemiah has already restored the foundation of the temple. Uh, The work has not begun yet on the temple other than the foundations were restored and uh, Ezra's revival has already taken place and we've already seen the falling off of that revival, how the people's uh, zeal for the Lord waned and began to grow lax, so much so that uh, Tobiah came and lived in the house of God of all things. God's enemy lived in the house that he was supposed to be worshipped in. And uh, so Haggai is in that, he's a contemporary of them. This is the setting uh, of where Haggai is at. And uh, at this point, Nehemiah has gone back to the palace uh, to serve under Artaxerxes. He is not in Jerusalem anymore. And so Haggai is here at this point and trying to keep the people stirred up and moving forward for the Lord. Uh, Thus speaketh the Lord, verse number 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Speaking of the house of God, the temple. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have so much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages, to put it into a bag with holes." Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be what? glorified, saith the Lord. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning and speak to our hearts. May we learn something that will be a help to us. Lord, we all suffer from this thing of the flesh, getting a foothold and so easily besetting us with sin. May we learn to recognize and from Your Word, understand some of the things that are telltale signs, things that would help us to know when this is happening in our life, where we can deal with it, where we can get some things right, and have that joy and that zeal restored to us once again. So, Father, help us, guide us with the leading of Your Holy Spirit, and may He guide our hearts and our thoughts and our minds throughout this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We read earlier in chapter 2 this morning, Uh, regarding the fact that there was some criticism that the glory of the second temple that was being built here was not going to be even compared to Solomon's temple and the glory that it had. And God encouraged the workers and the laborers. He told them not to be discouraged and to be strong and to continue in the work because He said, I will fill my house with my glory. The glory of God's house is not the ornateness of the facility. But it is the presence of God inside of that house, inside of that temple. And can I tell you this and encourage you in this? I think we ought to look our best. I think outwardly we ought to be the best that we can as far as a testimony. But God's glory does not rest in how we dress or how we act. God's glory rests in the presence of Him dwelling in our lives. The outside will reflect that if the inside is right. We will begin to dress the right way. We'll begin to act the right way. There will be something about us. In fact, Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. You'll be a light, a a city that is set on a hill and cannot be hid. You'll be a light that will be on a candlestick that gives light to the whole house. You'll be salt that has not lost its savor. But the inside has got to be right. The people of Israel were so excited under the revival that Ezra created... And they were committed to God. We saw that in chapter 12 of Nehemiah and how they were so committed to God. They put their name on the the paper again and said, we're renewing this covenant, God. We're going to make You our God. This is going to be our commitment to You. And, I mean, you can almost hear the excitement as you read those verses of the people as they see God doing something in their midst again. They've separated themselves. They've put away the foreign people and the mixed people. And they've they've consecrated themselves. They've sanctified themselves to God. Not just from the sin, but they said, we want to make God our God once again. And the joy that was there, the excitement that was there. They began to rebuild the temple and they got the foundation done And when they got the foundation done, somewhere shortly after that time or during that time, Nehemiah goes back to Artaxerxes and the work stops. And the zeal, the excitement of that wonderful revived time of life begins to grow cold. And they begin to forsake things. We saw that this morning in Nehemiah chapter 13. They allow uh, the the tithes that were supposed to support the Levites to drift away to where the Levites had to go out and tend their own houses and try to just make a living to survive. They brought Tobiah into the house of God. And the foundation sits there, and this is where we find ourselves as we get to Haggai 1, when Haggai comes to the people and says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? You've made your houses nice. You've made them ornate. You've finished them. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Two different times, Haggai makes this statement, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. We've mentioned recently that when God says something once, He means it. If He says something twice, He doesn't want us to forget it. It's something that He does not for His benefit, not because He forgot that He said it the first time. He does it for our benefit, to put emphasis on it, to say, Listen, all the things I say are important, but please, please, please don't miss this. He's making the statement twice. He says, "...Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways." Consider your ways. What was God saying by that? He was saying, stop for a minute. Look at, look at what's happening here. Look at where you're at. Look at this, the circumstances you find yourself in. Because there's a reason what was happening to the nation of Israel here, there was a reason why it was happening and the people didn't see it. You ever been there where God is trying to get your attention? and you just don't see it, It just you think, boy, boy, I'm going through some rough times right now. I'll tell you what, I don't know what it is, and it's God trying to get our attention. Trying to say, there's something I need you to deal with, and you're not paying attention here. You're not watching. What was it that, that was happening to this nation of Israel that they were not seeing? Notice as we get down, there are some signs that He gives here. There are some things that happened in the nation of Israel's life that God said... I've allowed all this to happen to you, thinking it would get your attention, and it hasn't. These are the things that happen. Look with me, if you will, in verse number six. He says, "You have so much and bring in little." you Ever felt that way? You work and you work and you work and you work, and you think, "Boy, just huh, just not productive. It's just not. Something's just not right here." You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. He clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. You ever felt that way? And I'm not talking about materially so much, although uh, certainly they were dealing with material things here. Literally, they were dealing with the material things of the nation of Israel. And sometimes God does affect our physical things, our material things. But even in our own lives, in our spirit, there's things that we're striving for, we're laboring for, and we just don't seem to be making a whole lot of progress. You ever been there? And God is doing this for a reason in this case. He says, listen, this stuff's been happening, and you all haven't been paying attention. So I now have to send a prophet to you and tell you, this is what I need you to see. I want you to understand this. Consider your ways. Stop for a minute. Look at what's happening in your life. And consider it. Ponder it. Think about it. Meditate upon it. Find out what it is that God wants you to learn from this. Two times he says this. He says, consider your ways. God said, it's not time for you to dwell in your sealed houses while this house lie waste." What was he saying? He was saying, you're putting more time on the comforts of this world than you are in developing and strengthening and building the temple of God. The very first thing in our life, the first priority in our life ought to be building of the temple of God. And we've shared with you this morning already that the temple of God is not this building in Keith Heights Baptist Church. Sometimes we think when we talk about God's temple, we're talking about this place and the house of God being a building or a structure. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament, since the Lord came and, and died on Calvary and rose again from the dead, the Bible says, what, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own you're bought with the price. We spend so much time dealing with the affairs and the cares of old flesh nature that we fail to see that we're neglecting the spiritual condition of the temple of God. We're not building it up. We're not strengthening it. And we labor and we work in the flesh and we, we attempt the strength of man to do all the work. And I've been there before. I've labored for the Lord, but in my strength. You ever done that? And you work and you labor and you sweat and you see no fruit or very little at best. And frustration comes in. And you think, Lord, I'm supposed to have joy in this. You've told me that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And boy, it sure doesn't feel very light right now. Ever been there? Because we've tried it in our own flesh. And the sad thing is it happens and we scratch our heads and wonder, why is this happening to me? God has some way of getting our attention in this thing. He told the nation of Israel, he said, Y'all are sitting here working, you're laboring. You're putting your money into a bag, but it's a bag of holes, and there's never enough. You're trying to trying to eat and you're still hungry, you're trying to drink, you're still thirsty, you're trying to clothe you, and you're still naked. He said, You're trying all this stuff and it's just not I'm not prospering, it's not a, a blessing. Look at where they had just come from. I mean, they're coming from a, a place of revival. They're not coming from a cold, dark place. They're coming from a mountaintop experience where they have recommitted themselves to the Lord. And then this happens? And they're scratching their heads wondering, why is this happening? And God sends Haggai to say, consider your ways. Hey, wait a minute. Consider your ways. He tells them twice. Notice He says this as we get down to verse number 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Now notice, here's what God wants them to do. Go up to the mountain. By the way, anytime we come closer to the Lord, it's always on the way up, isn't it? You ever see that? When when uh, Jonah was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, the Bible says he went down to Joppa. I understand, you know, cardinal directions and everything. And I understand he was talking in terms of direction. But oftentimes in Scripture, when we depart from God, we're going in a downward direction in our spiritual life. We draw near to him. We're drawing going in an upward direction. Notice the Bible says here, he says, Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. Notice this, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You know what you know what was said here without being said? It was implied. That what they were already doing was not bringing glory to God. What they were laboring in, what they were working toward, was not something that the world looked at and said they have a great God. It was not bringing glory to Him at all. They were laboring in their own power and their own strength. They were dealing with the things that their life had to deal with and they weren't focusing on the things. By the way, Jesus spoke about this, didn't He, in Matthew chapter number 6. He says, "But seek ye first the what kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things. What things? What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live. All these things shall be added unto you. You want to know? You want to know what God's will is about what we're going to eat today, or what we're going to drink, what we're supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be living. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." And God will take care of the others. He'll make sure that those work out. He tells the nation of Israel, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. I wonder how well we build the house of God. It's interesting to me. The Bible talks about the fact that there's a neglect of God that takes place even in the heart of His own people sometimes. I was looking at that earlier today in Nehemiah. If you'll turn back to Nehemiah chapter 13 for just a moment. I asked you this morning, if you would, to underline those words. I think it was in Nehemiah chapter 13. Let's see if I've got the right place here. Verse number 11. Nehemiah says, Then contended I with the rulers and said this, Why is the house of God forsaken? That's a pointed question for us, isn't it? Why do we let the temple of God become forsaken? We're laboring, we're working, we're staying busy, we're trying to drum up that, that feeling again, we're trying to trying to stir the heart up again. What's happening here? We're focused more on what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, where we're going to live, what we're going to do. We're not seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, We get to Haggai chapter 1, he says two different times, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. And when we put the focus where it's supposed to be, on the house of God, the Bible says, I will be glorified. I will be glorified. This world is in need of some Christians to say, I'm going to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to build the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to make sure that people, when they see this life, they see a God that has transformed it in a very miraculous way. A very strong hand of God at work in this life. I want Him to be glorified in it. We need to consider our ways. There's some signs. How do we know when we get to the place where we've got a Tobiah living inside of us in our own house and, and we allow the flesh nature to just take over and become a besetting sin? we'll notice it when we start seeing some of the signs that the nation of Israel saw. We'll be laboring. We'll be working. We'll be dwelling in our own house, in our own comfort. And we'll be neglecting the, the house of the Lord. We'll begin to see these things happening that uh, where we work and labor and we don't see the benefit. We don't see the fruit from it. What's the remedy? Consider your ways. When we see those things happen, stop and look at your life. What's going on? Am I seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Or do I have to ask, as Nehemiah did, why is the house of the Lord forsaken? Why am I putting that off? We need to consider our ways. Notice, if you will, in 2 Chronicles chapter number 14, verse number 7, very, uh, I'm sorry, seven, chapter 7, verse number 14, very familiar passage of Scripture, one that a lot of us can uh, quote from memory. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. If I'm going to consider my, my ways, I've got to stop and realize I'm a sinner. I'm imperfect. I am not what I'm supposed to be. Humble myself, and, and notice it says, And pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. But it's going to take us considering our ways and understanding these things. It's going to take a humbling of ourselves. It's going to take some praying. Saying, Lord, I need some things in my life. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 John. 1 John, I love this passage. 1 John, chapter number 1. It's a very brief passage. very brief chapter. That which was from the beginning, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we have heard... Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye may also that ye also may have what? Fellowship with us. Now, understand the context of this passage is not dealing with salvation, it is dealing with our walk with God. It is dealing with our fellowship. These things write we unto you, uh, uh, in verse number 4, that your joy may be full. When is our joy the fullest? Could we say that our joy is the fullest when we are closest to God? And that our joy begins to decline as we draw away from Him? Could we not say that? We're dealing here with our fellowship with God, our our relationship with Him. And, And John writes this, These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Amen? I'm glad of that verse. If we say we have fellowship with Him, notice this, and what? Walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have what? There it is again. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. I think we can all agree with that statement, can't we? If we confess our sins, notice this, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse number 8 and 9, I believe, go together very clearly. And God creates a stark contrast between man and God. In verse number 8, we find that man is a deceitful person and an untruthful person. And in verse number 9, we find that God is faithful and God is just. What a conflict of interest. That's an interesting thought that we deceive ourselves and yet God is faithful. That we are untruthful and yet God is just. Notice this. In spite of what we are and because of who He is, if we confess our sin, He is faithful in just a way. Forgive us our sin and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. How do we know when we have a Tobiah living in our in our temple? Well, we find some 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 symptoms of it in Haggai chapter one. What do we do about it? We humble ourselves and pray. We seek God's face. We turn from our wicked ways and we confess our sins the Bible tells us that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and there's that word cleanse you remember what Nehemiah did he kicked out Tobiah and then the Bible says he cleansed all the chambers sometimes we need to have that cleansing and look with me if you will in Romans chapter number 12 we need to do this folks I'll 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 be real frank with you I know at least in my life It needs to be done on a regular basis. It's not something we do once and forget about it. But something we've got to do all the time. We need to stop and consider our ways. Especially when we see things happening like we read about in Haggai chapter 1. We need to stop for a minute. God's been trying to get our attention and look at our life. When we see the things that God wants us to see, He sees the way we've been living. Allows us to see the way we've been living that we've been neglecting His temple, then we confess those things. He's faithful and He's just. I'm glad He is. I'm glad He is faithful and just. To Forgive us of that. But that's not enough, because if we just stop there, we will continue to do this over and over and over and over again. And by the way, until until we get to heaven, that sin nature is going to have that tendency so how do we slow it down? How do we keep from going into this trap over and over again just without, without hesitancy, without any restriction at all? How do we keep from doing this? We need to purpose in our hearts some things. Look with me, if you will, in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. Paul says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Has God been merciful to you? Have there been some things in your life that you have deserved that God said, I, I'm not going to make him go through that. I'm not going to make her go through that. In fact, I'm going to pay the price for them. I would say that's, that's mercy, wouldn't you? I, I would look at God and say, you know, God every day looks down at us and sees that we fail and we sin every day. And He gives us His mercy afresh and anew. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your what? Bodies. God does not force this. It's something that He wants us to willingly take in our hands and lay it in His and say, Lord, this is yours. When we end up getting a Tobiah living inside of us, is when we take our will and we say it's mine. God, You can't have it. I want what I want, and You can't have this. When we consider our ways and we realize that, we confess our sin and we get that right with God. And God wants us to take that will that we have, that we've held so strongly to, and present it to Him as a gift And say, Lord, it's no longer mine, it's yours. This is your will. I don't want what I want anymore. I want what you want for me. Paul says, I beseech you. I I plead with you. I beg of you. Because of the mercy that God has given to you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice he says this, holy. Nehemiah went in, he threw out Tobiah, he threw out his household goods, he cleansed the chambers, and then he brought back into the temple that which belonged there. Paul says this, our bodies need to be holy and acceptable unto God. When we see ourselves in 1 John 1 as somebody who is deceitful and untruthful, and we see God as just and faithful, how in the world can we ever be acceptable in God's sight? He says... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. And then he goes on to say this, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good. And what? There's that word, isn't it? How in the world can a deceitful, untruthful man or woman, be acceptable in the sight of a faithful and a just God by not conforming to the world, but by being transformed in the renewing of our minds. Then and only then can I be acceptable in the sight of God. Then and only then can He look down and say, there is a vessel that is fit for the Master's use. There is a person there that I can use, not just in spite of Him, but because of Him. And God enables us to do that. You and I don't have the ability to, but He does. He can cause that to happen in our lives. There's a transforming work that Paul speaks of here. That is not something we can do. If we're going to follow after the world, the Bible uses the word here, conformed. That's something I can do. But the transformation? can't do that. That's something only God can do. What should we do? Consider our ways. We need to confess our sin to God. And He said, Lord, I need that forgiveness. And then lastly, we need to yield and present our will to Him. And say, Lord, it's yours. This might help us. We saw this morning in the 11 o'clock hour the problem. We saw some things that needed to be done. But how do we recognize it? How do we go about accomplishing that in our lives? Consider our ways. Confess your sin. And present your will, your bodies, a living sacrifice. wholly acceptable unto God, which is your not extraordinary service. It's just reasonable. The uh, first time I ever understood that. I, I knew that verse. I'd quoted it for years. And it hit me one day that is not even exceptional. That's just what is expected of the Christian life. That's the norm. If I want to be a Christian that's one of those heroes of the faith that you hear of in Scripture, that's the minimum that's got to happen. That's just the, that's just the norm. That's not even the extraordinary yet. I hope that will be a help to us. Uh, We've got a lot of Tobias living in a lot of temples. If you look around the world today, A lot of times I look in my own heart and I see him living there. I've got to to get him out. I've got to get all that stuff out of there. And when that happens, God said in Haggai chapter number 1, I will be glorified. And that's our purpose, isn't it? That's what we want. We want God to be glorified in our lives. I hope that will be a help to you. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. What a blessing it is as we learn from it. And Lord, we've enjoyed it today. We have spent some time learning from it. And so, Father, help us not to just hear it, not to tuck it away in the in the file cabinet of our memory, but that Your Holy Spirit will recall it and bring it into remembrance daily. And moment by moment, may we live it. Dismiss us now with Your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.